You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is Brad Roland. Uh, you met me in uh, a familiar tone at the top of the podcast. This is the Talking Chop podcast, episode 16. Um, today will be the first voyage without without Carlos Colazzo in the host chair, but that's okay. We are uh, more than capable of holding up the mantra without him. And today joining me is Eric Cole. What's up, Eric? What's going on, buddy? Nothing much, man. Uh, Braves lost today. We're, talk- we're talking Sunday evening. Um, the game recently finished. An ugly result for the uh, for the home team, so to speak. Even though, the, even for at least for us, the game was not in Atlanta, but rather in Los Angeles. But um, we won't talk about that for too much, other than to say it was not Matt, Matt Whistler's finest hour on this fine Sunday. Um, no, he started out well, and then he really, really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's actually a great way to put it. Uh, the wheels kind of came off in uh, in a relative hurry for Whistler, and uh, you know. The Dodgers are better than the Braves, um, so getting getting, uh, ha- getting manhandled by the Dodgers is there's nothing uh, too terribly shocking about that over the weekend. Um, but you know, and they had been, been playing better, so you know, it's, you know, sometimes you'll get swept by a really good team. So that's true. We should focus on the positive. The Braves have been playing better uh, prior to this series, um, but you know, it, it is what it is with this team, uh, and there's plenty to talk about um, with with that. And of course, we have the uh, 2016 MLB draft. Coming up this week, uh, great time to have Eric, who's our prospect guru, um, and we'll get to that later in the podcast. Um, before we get before, before we get all, to all the draft stuff, though, we should probably hit some of the news. Um, I would think the biggest news item this week was uh, Mike Fultonavich hitting the disabled list um, with bone spurs in his elbow. Um, it was kind of a weird thing overnight, right, right before he pitched, um, was scheduled to pitch. Uh, this kind of cropped up, and you know, Fulte from uh, all reports, he, he thinks it's no big deal. Um, that was the report that has been circulating, but you know the team's playing it safe as they should with a young arm, uh, sending him to the DL. Um, what do you think about Fulton Avich? Are you worried? Is there anything we should be worried long term, or is this sort of a blip on the radar? Uh, I worry if this is somewhat a guy who had a very very serious injury to end his season last year. Is just kind of just being smart and just trying to make sure he doesn't get himself in a place where he could be hurt for long term again. Um, he, he, you know, it, with bone spurs, you never really know because it, it depends on where the spurs are and what they're rubbing up against. Because if they're rubbing up against nerves and tendons, that can cause other problems. And so I'm not going to pretend to say that I'm like a medical expert on it either. But you know, if it if they just need to shut him down for three starts or whatever, just to kind of give him give him a break, um, and he feels like he needs that break just to make sure that he's healthy and he's confident on the mound, I'm fine with it. Uh, and he's looked really good this so far since being back. So uh, the Braves need him. Um, and if they 
if he really feels like to be on the in the rotation for the rest of the year, if he needs to take like this trip to the DL to kind of get healthy, then I'm all for it. I mean, it's fine with me. Yeah, I'm sort of in the same boat again. We don't know the uh, the in-depth medical stuff, so we we don't want to sound like we're too much of an expert on uh, Fulte's elbow right now. But right, uh, bone spurs, you know, can you know, in, in his defense, it can be no big deal. It is possible that this is no big deal. Oh, absolutely. yeah, and absolutely. He, he just seemed he just seemed like he thought like he could throw fine. He just like couldn't do like everyday stuff without hurting. So yeah, that was it was a weird thing to consider, like a guy being able to throw in the you know mid to high nineties without pain, but can't lift his arm. Uh, and do certain things, bending at the elbow, and like I find life. that a little. I find it a little hard to believe, but you know. Yeah, that I'll was my it. that was my reaction too. I, I I was I kind of didn't believe full. Not that he's trying to be malicious, but that's probably a guy who wants to pitch. Um, yeah. More than anything, he seems like sort of that bulldog mentality of the guy who's not going to really want to go to the DL unless he has to. But it's maybe he's you know he's probably being smart here. The team's being smart, um, and he as, and as you mentioned, he's been very good lately, um, which is encouraging. Which is you know sort of one of those things where. It takes some wind wind out of the sails. Um, the you know the young pitchers have been sort of the bright spot of this team, and we spent recently with Whistler and Fulte especially, and uh, to have one of those guys go down, even if even if it's just for a couple weeks, is uh, not the most fun thing in the world for sure. Uh, definitely. Uh, speaking of young pitchers, uh, this one did not go so well. Um, Aaron Blair um, sort of imploded on Thursday. We're going, we're going back a few days, but gave up uh, six earned runs over the over the course of six batters. Which uh, to translate is the worst you can do over six batters uh, is to have yeah. them all score uh, <laughs> three home runs over that time, um, and the other three batters all reached by either walk or hit by pitch. Um, I guess in short, Eric, is it time to panic about Aaron Blair? No, I don't think so. I mean, he's just. I mean, when you're when you're humping changeups and you're you know leaving your fastball up in the middle, I mean that's just what's going to happen to you. Uh, and every time he goes down to Gwinnett, he looks great, and then when he comes back up, I'm not sure if it's nerves. I'm not sure if it's, you know, having AJP behind the plate. I mean, there's just a lot of things it could be. Uh, he, he's going to need some time to work this out. Um, and he has had shown stretches where he seems really good. Uh, he just seems like, you know, he's kind of getting used to the, you know, fatigue and just trying to locate his pitches. Because he's not going to be a guy that blows anyone away. It's just never going to happen. He's just got to locate his pitches to get swings and misses. He's going to have to generate ground balls. And, you know, when he's... He looks like a completely different pitcher from when he's in the minors and the majors. Uh, is that is that a problem? Absolutely. He needs those are things he needs to fix. But you know, if it's a situation where he's you know trying to do too much and ends up you know trying to throw ninety six or ninety seven, he's never going to be that guy. Um, so I, I'm I'm not panicking yet. He's you know he he has plenty of time and he's looked good enough in the minors to makes me think that maybe some of this is nerves and he's just not locating his fastball the way he needs to. Yeah, I'm with you all the way. I think right after that start, I was I happened to be on game duty that day, so I was really kind of, kind of locked in on what happened uh, on that Thursday afternoon game and was co- kind of going through some of the numbers. The numbers are ugly, uh, you know, more walks than strikeouts. Um, it's yeah. something you never want to see over a seven-start sample. But again, you know, this is 31 innings. Uh, a lot of people are sort of uh, shoveling dirt on Aaron Blair as a prospect, <laughs> uh, which I think is kind of insane. This is not the start you want to see. I mean, he has a set, you know, an ERA of – um, almost seven, almost eight. I think seven point five five right now. Um, you don't obviously don't want to see that. That's not good. Um, but I went through a bunch of guys, just kind of throwing uh, stuff at the wall to see what sticks. But a bunch of guys who had uh, horrible starts to to their major league career and ended up being just fine. A couple of those guys, um, Tom Glavin among them, uh, for a Braves reference, um, that had a, you know a hideous first year, um, and then with a, with an ERA you know five and a half something like that, and ended up being pretty good. I'm not com- I'm not com- I'm not obviously not com- not really comparing Aaron Blair to 
guys that on that level. But you know, well, well sure. And, I mean, and this is still a prospect that's like he's still like he just got a new pitch in a slider that he's thinking about trying to play and run out there. So I mean, he's still figuring things out. You know what I mean? Like he's still figuring out who he wants to be as a pitcher and how to approach major league pitchers. So it's not like you can't you can't say after like five or six starts like oh well that's just who he is as a pitcher. Yeah, it just doesn't. That's obvi- that's obviously insane. I think I think we both know that it's one of, it's one of those things where I think Blair was billed as the guy who was closest to being able to contribute um, sure. of the young guys this year, and that's part of the problem for the fans especially is that you know Blair after it was you know there was a lot of stuff about Blair um, you know quote unquote being better than Shelby Miller. A couple people said, people said that uh, in the middle of the trade, that kind well, of stuff. And, I mean, you know, that's, that, I mean that's still in play based on how Shelby's. Well, right. I was about to say the same thing, but <laughs> I think it was. Uh, this might be expectations with Blair. A lot of people thought he was going to be able to come in and be pretty good right away, um, sure. because of the fact that his his upside's not as high as some of these other guys. He, he's, he's, he doesn't have Sean Newcomb's fastball. He doesn't have that kind of stuff. Um, that pure stuff. So he's uh, Blair's been a guy who a lot of us expected to be, you know, more polished, uh, lower ceiling guy, but maybe maybe ready a little bit sooner. So to see him struggle. Um, I can see why people are a little bit disappointed, but at the same time, this is seven starts, and uh, as you mentioned, he, he looks great in AAA every time he comes back down. So I think, you know, might be time to leave him down there for a little bit longer. Um, I think he might have had, did he make one start, maybe two starts last time he went down? Yeah, one, one maybe or two. I, I can't remember offhand. So it it was down there long. <laughs> yeah, it might be time to give him a couple more down there, you know, straight, to see, make, just make sure his confidence isn't shot. That's, that's the one thing you worry about with a guy like that. When he gets shelled at the major league level, is uh, a little bit a little bit of confidence waning. Uh, before that implosion in the sixth inning, it should be noted that he was you know he was pitching very well. Um, he's had know. he's had a lot of starts like that actually. He's boy he's gotten through four or five innings and then for whatever reason just can't throw strikes anymore. Well, that's one of those things with young pitchers too that you know second second third time through the order is when they're going to get dinged up. And yep. a lot of a lot of development's going to be about you know learning to pitch to the same guy three times in a game when they when you know it's making adjustments it's making in game adjustments that kind of stuff and for a twenty four year old who probably has never had to do that I mean to a certain extent I'm sure it's happened every once in a while but um, through the minors when you're the best pitcher at every level when you're going yeah. through a system you don't really have to do that so that could be the la- sort of the final step with these guys and uh, Blair pitching you know pitching well early in games is, is encouraging in that. Um, when guys aren't aren't used to seeing what he has, he does have enough in this in the stuff department because that's the one thing you worry about with Blair is that his stuff isn't electric on the level of some of these upper tier prospects. But if he can pitch uh, intelligently, hit his spots, um, what you know he's got to bring the walks down, especially at the major league level. I think it's like almost five per nine. That's not going to work. For that's, him. Yeah, that's not going to work. His strikeout stuff's just not there. But at the same time, uh, I'm not I'm not terribly worried. It's just might be time for a little bit more seasoning in the minors. Um, one one more negative before we get to the positive stuff. Uh, we talked a little bit before we start recording, but Luke, Lucas Sims uh, had a very rough day today. He, Gwinnett, yes, he did. <laughs> uh, uh, the line, uh, 2.2 innings, uh, eight earned runs, and six walks. Um, Sims had a great start to the season in AAA, um, was leading the league in strikeouts for a bit of time, um, and really kind of seeing his star rise a bit. This is a guy who used to be a, a big-time name and was sort of climbing back into that realm with an early with an early good start. But now this is not the first time he's been shelled lately. And, uh, you know, what are you seeing from Sims and what can we expect moving forward? Because this is somebody the expectations were starting to rise on and now they're sort of cratering again. Well, I mean, he did start the, the year at AA. And that's when he, and he had – his first three starts were down there and he was, like, unhittable. Um, he was still walking guys too much. Um, but we were like, well, if you're going to strike out ten guys a game, then you know that we can take that. 
Uh, and after three starts, uh, you know, already, they already had to move a lot of pieces around in AAA to get, you know, guys up to help the rotation in Atlanta. So he was bumped up to AAA. Had a pretty good start to AAA and then has had four of his past seven starts have six earned runs or more. That's which not is, good, Eric. No, it's not good. Um, it's He is a guy that is frustrating for me because you see him, you, you know that scouts see him on a bad day and like his fastball's flat and, you know, he's not fooling anybody with it. And, you know, he, and he's like, you know, just like chucking curveballs in there that aren't really doing, doing a whole lot and he's not hitting the strike zone. And they just see him as this, you know, see, see him as a possible relief candidate, but never, never as a starter. But then you see like toward like the second half of last year and in the AFL and the beginning of this year. And he just seemed like, like a special, special pitcher where like a lot of life, like downhill, downhill action on his fastball, a curveball that could have arguably been his best pitch if he was throwing it consistently. He, he, just a really good pitcher. And he was like striking out, you know, missing bats, was a little wild, but you see the potential there. And it's frustrating in that it seemed like last year he had to make a mechanical adjustment to kind of fix the control enough to mix bats. And I feel like some of that's gone away. Like it's like he's he's lost whatever he had, and he's a very emotional pitcher. So like kind of once the wheels come off, they really come off, you know. And he like you know he he walks a couple guys and like you know gives up a double, you know that it, it seems to really get to him. And I I don't have an answer at this point. I mean he's still only twenty two years old, and he you know he's moved pretty quickly this year. You know they moved him from high A to. Double A last year only had three starts at Double A this year. Moved to Triple A, so I mean it's not like he's like lost as a prospect, but he's gonna have to figure out how to be consistently good um, and consistently strike guys out and limit contact because he's always gonna have a certain number of walks to his name. He's just gonna have to make sure that when those guys get on base, he's not getting burned for it. And it seems like every runner that gets on base now, right now, is ends up coming around the score. Yeah, you mentioned the age. That's that's the one thing that, that's encouraging for me. He ju- he just turned 22, so you're yep. talking about a guy who's still very young. Was a high school pick when he came into the organization. Um, but the walks, man, I, I'm I'm a sucker for guys who don't walk people, and Sims is the opposite of that. Uh, yeah. I think last year he finished with over five walks per nine. Um, and as for as much as the strikeouts help, I mean, you can afford to walk more guys when you're striking out ten guys per per nine innings. But you know you can't walk there, five those guys. Yeah, there's a there's a cap to that, for sure. right? Especially in the minors. I mean, if you if you try to translate a five you know five plus walks per nine in the minors, that's going to be in that six seven range for the majors, and you that's not obviously not going to work. Um, right. A lot of that's a lot of that's probably why people are talking about him as a reliever. Um, yeah. And I you know I, I'm I'm really really don't, I really don't like to do that to guys. Um, I, I think Tyrell Jenkins has been a name that a lot of people have talked about, especially and we'll come back to him later in the podcast, but. Um, guys who you, you know, they get, they get pigeonholed as relievers. I think, I think too early, you want to give a guy as much, as much time as possible, especially a guy who you invested this much, uh, this much in as a first round pick. Um, you want to give him, you know, as much rope as possible, but the walks have got to stop at least not, they're never going to stop as you mentioned, but they have to come down. Um, his stuff is, his stuff's so good, but you can't, that's obviously too wide. And I I don't, I don't have to be the one to tell you that it's, uh, there's that, there's that line, as you said, where that you can't cross and he's definitely been crossing it lately. Um, one positive note, um, out of the minor leagues today, Shea Simmons, um, returned to action, pitched a scoreless ending at Gwinnett. He started the game, which is hilarious. Um, but it's one of those things where, um, you, you don't want a guy twisting in the wind when he's trying to get innings in the minors. So go ahead and get him the yeah, first yeah. inning and have it not matter much. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, and they, they've done that with every one of his relief starts, and it's been really funny because I get really confused. So I'm like, wait, I thought Soroka was going today. Or, yeah. you know, and, then, and then I'm like, oh, it's Like, like okay, Sims today. Sims came in in the second inning, and yep. it's like, wait, that's, yep. that's odd. Yep. Yep, uh, relief appearance for Sims. I guess, you know, in some minds, the people are going to be like, oh, see, they're already transitioning into the bullpen. But oh, it's just giving Shea his, giving him his inning and, you know, making sure that he is, like, warms up, doesn't, like, overwarm up, gets his innings, gets, and then he's done. Uh, and he's looked and he's looked good. I know he was a little sore, and that's why he had to shut him down a little bit. But uh, you know, he's he's looked good in all of his relief appearances. So I'm irrationally excited about Shea Simmons all at all times, um, and I know I'm irrational about it. Like he's he's not as good as I think he is. I know that, um, but he's a lot of fun, man. Like you know, his, he, his, sl- throws- his slider is obscene, which yep. I enjoy. A lot, lot of action on his pitches and pitches, and he throws hard. Those are guys that are generally really just fun to watch. Come yeah, in. I mean, and you know, this short of short of Vizcaino, who's obviously awesome. The end, of the you know, the late ending bullpen guys are not exactly super exciting right now at the major league level. Um, I, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's pretty that's pretty easy to get behind. I'm trying to uh, be I'm trying to trying to be nice about it, but uh, Simmons would easily be the most exciting arm outside of Aroidus in the in the bullpen right now. So getting him back would be it should be fun. Uh, it's one of those one of those things where you know a middle a middle middle to late inning reliever is not going to change the course of the Brave season. Obviously, but um, it, it would be good to see him uh, back on track and healthy and pitching at the major league level because he's a major league pitcher. I mean, I think we saw that in his brief time um, before the injury that he's you know he's he's capable of being. I'm not sure he's a closer level guy, whatever whatever that means, because um, you know closer is the uh, always interesting word for guys who um, <laughs> some of them shouldn't be there, some of them should. Um, a lot of times it's, it's the pro- the quote unquote proven closer. All that means and all the strategy behind it. We don't we don't need to get into that today. But Simmons, right. I, th- I think he's a high leverage reliever if he's healthy, and that's that's something that's fun. Well, and he's definitely an option too, especially since there's a lot of those reports that you know this guy you know is going to be a guy that the Braves could trade. Um, it'd be nice to have someone who could actually you know you put out there in a higher leverage situation and you know not be completely terrified by it. Well, with it, since you mentioned that, I think we talked about it with myself and Carlos last week. What what do you think about Vizcaino is a trade candidate. Obviously, he's awesome, and no, nobody's denying that. But you know, anytime you can move a, a closer, if it's for a big enough package, I'm all for it. What do you think about you know dangling him out there and seeing what happens? I, I mean, I think with Copy, the you know he's dangling anyone and everyone at all times, and I think it's just whether or not he gets the right price. And Vizcaino is a guy who's going to be under control for a while. So if if he's going to be under control during the window where you think you're going to be competitive, you're going to need to get an offer that is relevant because ultimately you can't just be continually mortgaging the present for the future, especially when the, some of these present pieces could be a part of that future. Uh, and there's not a lot of guys who can throw 100 miles an hour and you can reliably run out there in high-leverage bullpen situations. So, you know, if the, if the price is right, sure. I mean, you, you, you can't say no to, like, you know, a Craig Kimball package, package or something like that, either one of them that, you know, has, he has, has gotten Kimbrell, but at the same time... You know, it, just don't do it just to do it. Yeah, that's kind of where I am too. I mean, this guy you know has been so much fun to watch, and he strike, his strikeout rate is is Kimbrel esque. Um, I don't, you know, we have, we saw we saw Kimbrel do it over over multiple seasons, so it's it's a little bit too early to say that this guy you know is like the best closer in the league or anything like that. But if he does this, what he's been doing for a couple of years, then he is that. He's a, yeah, and he's in the conversation for sure. Yeah, he's how, I excellent. mean, that's how good he's been. That's, I think that's what I mean. People. Because the Braves aren't winning a ton of games, he's not going to lead the league in saves or do anything like that. No. Um, people are not going to, at least nationally, I think Braves fans might know this, but a lot of national people probably don't realize just how dominant he's been. 
uh, in that role. Um, and the fact that, you know, it seems comical now that we entered the season with some legitimate closer controversy between Viscano and Jason Grilly, um, who's no longer in the organization. So it's one of those things where that seems so funny in retrospect. But Well, that was partially due to our former manager having a strong love affair for veterans, and in particular Jason Grilly. Uh, That's but, fair, and also the proven closer thing. You know, Grilly's yeah. a guy who saved you know forty plus games a couple times. Pittsburgh, he, he was relatively good here too before the injury. So it's one it, of those things where he he was probably overly trusted, but Grilly was reasonably good at least for a while. <laughs> that, that, that's hard to argue with, uh, and he was particularly not good while he was here. And I wish him the best of luck in Toronto. That's a good way to put that. Um, and <laughs> one, one more note before we get into the mailbag and some uh, some draft stuff. Um, you can probably tell me how to pronounce this. I, I'm going to go with Steven Janis. Is it Janis? You nailed it. That's All right, it. awesome. Uh, is a, uh, a right-handed pitcher who was promoted today from uh, Mississippi AA to AAA Gwinnett. Um, he's been awesome this year. Uh, 1.89 ERA in 33 innings with a 6-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio. Uh, you're speaking my language with 6-to-1 strikeout-to-walk. Um, this guy's it's been it's been more about uh, being uh, awesome with control this year than striking out th- striking out everybody. But I'm not super familiar with him, so why don't you tell us a little bit about him? Whether he's a guy to get excited about as he gets promoted to Gwinnett? Uh, I think so. Uh, he's also one of those guys that could also be stretched back out to a starter, so he could like do spot starts because he he made 19 starts last year. He was he was a starter last year. He's kind of the victim of the problem of having too many talented pitchers in the system right now, and that in the Mississippi rotation there wasn't really room for him as a starter. And so they kind of put him in a relief role. And he's a Tommy John guy, too, coming out of college. So, you know, maybe limiting his innings is good. Uh, he's an older guy. They kind of wanted to see if they could get him up to the majors faster. Uh, and, you know, before the, the, before the bus crash, he was excellent, like multiple, like close to no hit for performances as a starter. Um, uh, things you might need to know about him. He's a big, tall righty. He's like 6'5", six, 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 something like that. Uh, local guy out of Marietta, and he went to Kennesaw State and uh, had Tommy John. He was probably going to be a higher-round pick, like a second- or third-rounder before he got hurt. Um, just He's really good about keeping the ball down in the zone just, and makes it, it induces a lot of weak contact, a lot of like weak rollers to short, weak rollers to second. He, he'll strike out, I don't know, maybe, maybe – you could count on him for like maybe five or six a game. You know, he'll miss some bats, but not a lot. Uh, the thing is he's just, no one can really hit him particularly hard. Uh, even after when he struggled a little bit when they promoted him last year to Mississippi, he did struggle some when that happened. You know, he had a couple rough starts, but even then it was almost like you know, like if there was like a major league infield there, he would have gotten away with more. So uh, he's a guy to definitely be excited about. Uh, I would see him more as like a middle to late re- late inning reliever guy. You know, he's not gonna, he's not certainly not a lefty specialist, but you know, could end up being a higher level lever- leverage le- reliever, but. I mean, as of right now, he'd probably kind of be in that middle relief spot for, for the Braves right now. Wait, Eric, you're telling me that the Braves drafted a guy with Tommy John problems who's a local product? In the sixth round, no less. Man, that is, that's shocking information. The Braves would invest in the guy with arm trouble that's from the state of Georgia. Uh, anyway. it, it, also worth noting, he had a fantastic Super Trooper mustache last year, which I think gave him his powers, which might have you know, explained oh, some of his... Wait, is it back? Is it, does he still no, have it? No, he shaved it. It's, it's, it's brutal. He shaved it. I thought so, I'm going to have to look this up when we're done. Just so yeah, I can it, get it was, yeah, it was fantastic. You know, <laughs> ten, out, 10 out of 10 mustache last year. A 10 out of 10 mustache. That might be worth Googling for anybody who's listening to this podcast. Um, take a look at that. Uh, all right, well, the main event, uh, with, with, with the news out of the way, the main event this week, other than, of course, Braves baseball each and every day, essentially, um, is the draft. Uh, it's taking place Thursday through it's Thursday through Saturday, right? The big, first round is Thursday night, right? 
Yep. Um, Thurs- um, uh, the and obviously that's the round uh, or two that everyone's going to be focused on um, in a big way. Obviously, Talking Shop, led by Eric, we're going to be taking you through all the way through the uh, draft um, all all weekend. So stay tuned for that. But the big, all, you know, most of the eyes are on the first round. Um, we we got a couple of questions in the mailbag that will kind of help us tee this off. Um, first one, it's pretty general from uh, at CT Garner. Uh, asks us, who would you like to see the Braves get in the draft? Uh, what, what's your preference, and what do you think they'll actually do? I'm going to make this a little bit um, more general for you, Eric, in that uh, we'll come back to the actual the, the number three pick because that's the one everybody's talking about. What, what do you think for the you know overall strategies? Of, you know, the Braves are a best player available team, that kind of stuff, for, especially for people like me necessarily or not huge draft guys, um, but big, big Braves fans that might want to be interested in kind of dive in for the first time this week. Um, okay. Um, generally speaking, taking the best player available is the best thing you can do. Um, you don't want to like try to try to be too clever with, you know, trying to move slots around and trying to move guys around in the draft. Cause that's when you end up like finding out that you don't spend all your money and you've got a bunch of guys that you're not really that enthusiastic about anyway. This particular draft is tough because there's no consensus at the top who's even the best player in the draft or even the best five players in the draft. If I name five players in this podcast of who I think the Braves should pick in number three, the, the first three comments will be angry comments about why I didn't mention another three guys. Oh, that's going to happen for sure. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, like confirmed. That's going to happen. And that, it's just because there's a lot of there's just a lot of uncertainty as to what you're getting from a lot of these guys. They're not, they're not all just guaranteed talents. They're, there's risk associated with all of them. There are pluses and minuses with you know, how, how you approach taking prep guys versus college guys and all that stuff. I would like for them to just to stick with their best player available strategy unless, and only this, if they can get a guy who, let's say in that tier of players, it's like seven or eight players that could feasibly go with the third pick. And you can get one of those guys to say, I will take $2 million less than slot. If you do that, what you can do is you could possibly, with this, this draft in particular, is a guy who could be a top five talent in this draft. You could t- you could say do you in this draft it's possible that you could go, go to that player and say we'll give you three million dollars if you'll sign with us for the fortieth you know you know down, down the comp rounds it's something that could happen but I don't I, with all those guys that would might be worth trying to trying to move down to the bottom of the draft I'm not sure if any of them would do it I think that they just want to get their slot money and be done so what I, I Tentatively, I want them just to do the best player, best player available and try not to be too clever because ultimately they have to get value out of this draft. They absolutely have to get value and get it right. And they nailed the draft last year. They, and they, you know, they didn't look at prospect rankings. You know, the Picking Mike Soroka at 28 and Austin Riley, where they picked them, were not anywhere close to where they were, where they were ranked by the, the pundits at large. They just have to trust that their scouts are right because ultimately they did a great job with that last year. But I could see a situation where if they could get, say, you know, a hometown discount for Kyle Lewis or something like that, and he would say, "I'll take less money." It's worth having the conversation with a guy who might go in the you know the top ten somewhere and say, "Hey, instead of taking two point two million down here, why don't you wait and you know just basically either refuse to sign or you know demand this much money, and then we'll pick, we'll pick you later on and we'll pay you this much money." I can't. I kind of love what the Braves did last year. Um, in retrospect, obviously, it looks pretty good, but. You know, as you mentioned, sticking to what your scouts say and not, you know, it's. It, I think it threw us all for a loop. Uh, anybody covering the draft, it was like, kind of like, who are these guys and why are they going so early? Um, I had I had been with Talking Chop for like three weeks, 
And everyone's like, okay, Eric, you have the 28th pick. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready. The Braves picks Mike Soroka. I don't know who that is. Who in the heck is Mike Soroka? Yeah, a Canadian pep prep pitcher. Of course, there's going to be plenty, tons of video on him. Uh, and, of course, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, um, and then, you know, within, you know, a few searches and, you know, it became apparent, like, maybe this, there's something to this. And, you know, now he's probably my favorite pitcher in the system. So, Well, on the, on the bright side, this year, uh, picking, picking number three, that first pick's not going to be a problem. We're, we're going to know who it is. At least, you got, at least you're going to know who the guy is that the, the Braves get at three. I'm pretty confident in that. I hope so. Um, with that said, um, p- picking it through, I think you, I, I know you mentioned there's a couple of different ways that they can approach this, and that's very interesting. But if they, if you had to pick a guy, who's your guy in this draft? Um, all things, all things available. Everybody's available. Who would you want the Braves to take it one at, at three? And uh, do you think that guy's going to actually be available when they're when they come on when they come on the board? My guy in the draft is Kyle Lewis. It's full disclosure. Uh, I th- he would be my number one on my board. Period. Uh, you know, big ready bat, big potential, just, you know, super athletic. You know, he's going to – I think there's going to be a little bit of swing and miss, but that's power you don't see very often. Uh, and he's, like, shown it against some better competition than I think people give him credit for with the Cape Cod League. Um, I think he's a better defender play, defensive player than he is, is given credit. I also think he's a better guy, you know, better at getting on base than he's given credit for too. So I think that he can be a really just a great all-around, very productive player. Um, will he be there? I think that right now the general it's kind of rounding into form that people think that the Braves are the not the Braves the Phillies are going to take AJ Puck because he's been so he's been so good at the end of the year and you know big lefties with that kind of stuff don't really come around very often especially at the college level where you know you might be waiting a year maybe two to see him on your team and for the team like the Phillies that makes sense. Cincinnati's where things gets tricky because half the mocks have them taking. Nick Senzel, or maybe trying to take one of these prep arms, or making a deal. I mean, there, there's so many things they could. Yeah, there, yeah. There's it could be any number of guys. I would put the likelihood of Kyle Lewis being at number three at like sixty percent right now, because there's still a chance that like the Phillies could take him number one. Uh, Cincinnati's the bigger problem, and they could very well take him because a right-handed bat with that kind of power in that ballpark. Is not something to to think of, to take lightly because balls fly out of that ballpark. Yeah, they, but maybe they would prefer, but they might, but they could prefer a guy like a Corey Ray too because I mean, being a lefty bat in that that park is even better. So just I, ask I mean, Jay Bruce and uh, Joey Votto and those guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No question. I mean, like the uh, who? Oh my goodness, who's the third baseman that the Braves ran out there to play against the the Reds and he just like went nuts and that was like the only stadium he could hit home runs in. I can't remember his name right now. I'm sure it'll come to me. It was right before Chris Johnson took over at third base. But oh my gosh, I'll get it. It's, yeah, it's you, you, you know what I'm talking about. Like that, he, yeah, you know, big lefties who can hit in that ballpark, you know, are certainly going to get some consideration from. Uh, from the the Reds, it's just going to be very tough to the the Reds are just have to be convinced that the numbers that Kyle Lewis put up are just not real enough, and that he's going to strike out more. I would love to get the Braves to, to, to take him at three. Uh, if they don't get him, I, I'm fine with either of the prep pitchers. I'm actually not super high on AJ Puck. Uh, just as a college pitcher, I'm just, I'm pretty underwhelmed. He's, he still doesn't has developed the cult. Hasn't developed the numbers and the control that you would think he would, given his seasoning as a college pitcher. Um, 
and if you're wanting to take one of the prep bats, you know, there's Blake Rutherford, who's an option, who has, you know, big power and big tools in the outfield, and Mickey Moniak, who's been a really fast riser. He went from, like, a fringe top 12 prospect to, like, there's even been some talk of, like, you know, will the Phillies try to make a deal with him for the first overall pick and maybe try to do him an underslot deal because he's so good that they're, it's worth doing because, you know, they're still getting a very good player. Um, he doesn't have the power as like for Rutherford and Lewis, but he's like a crazy good hit hit tool and like a special like special defensive set. So um, there's a lot of good options: Riley Pine, Jason Groom, Kyle Lewis, Corey Ray, Rutherford, Moniak. All these guys are potential options for the Braves, and I feel only slightly confident that the Braves would probably want to snatch up Lewis if they got the chance. Other than that, though, there's a lot that could happen. Options are good, uh, for one thing. Yeah. I, I think it's probably smart for Braves fans not to get too attached to anybody right now. I think you've kind of been saying that. You know, we, we don't I, – no. I wouldn't say with any any huge confidence that we know who they're going to take. Um, you know, grabbing the, the local kid from Mercer would be huge for, you know, optics, I think, for some of these fans. Especially – but more than more than him being from Mercer, it's um, – I think we talked about this with Carlos and I kind of making fun of it a couple of times. But um, if the Braves take a, a high school arm, people are going to freak out. Even if it's an awesome and high school drives- arm. It drives me crazy. Oh, I know it that does. That's, that's true. why I brought it. Up. That's why I brought it up. Oh. It's one of those things where um, I think all things equal, the fan base is going to want a college bat that's going to be able to come up quickly, for better or worse. That's that's the wrong approach. I mean, that's not to say that he's the that he's the wrong player because he might he might be the best player they can get, and that'd be great. I'm just saying from the uh, from the casual fan, especially, they're going to see all these young arms and say, "All right, it's time to fill up a lineup. It's time to pick a bat." And if it, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to rant here for a second. Oh, do it. So, Please do. so the general consensus in our comment section anyway, so I'm not going to speak to the entirety of the fan base, is that because Jason Groom was considered at the time to be a possible pick one player, that they would be okay taking Jason Groom. But there's this like conception out there, this perception that by taking Riley Pint, that the Braves are just convinced that if the our arm has to be injury prone, for them to even be on their roster. <laughs> this is going to end well. He, because, he has, because there's effort in his delivery. He's never been injured. And his dad did absolutely the right thing in this past summer by like not like running him out there on the showcase sum- circuit for, like, you know, for endless innings. They, he went to like two tournaments this past summer to, to limit the strain on his arm and to like keep his arm healthy. These are good things. That Braves fans would be upset that the Braves picked a guy who can throw 100 miles an hour as a starter with a plus curve and a plus changeup with a knuckle curve with a four-pitch mix is baffling to me. Seems, pretty, seems like a pretty good uh, prospect to have uh, from uh, I don't a casual know, I, perspective. I, I don't know who said it. It was, it was one of the major publications that basically said, of all the players in the draft, who's the most likely, who has the best chance to be a Hall of Fame player? The answer to that question was Riley Pine. Seems like the and, guy and, you might and, want. <laughs> yep, and it... I guarantee you if the Braves decide that they want Riley Pint and it, there's some debate as to whether or not they prefer Pint to Groom between Pipeline and, J- and Keith Law, there's like – Keith Law is convinced, I believe, that they want Jason Groom and Pipeline is convinced that the, between the two prep, prep, prep pitchers, they prefer Pint. Like, and I don't – you know, there's no way to reconcile that. that we'll figure it out soon enough, I guess. But it is mind-boggling to me that – like it is universal that if the Braves pick Pint, like – the boo birds are going to be coming out and you know, you know, this rebuild is over. It's just, it's insane to me only because um, 
I'll admit that I, I have no clue. Like I have, you know, the mo- I have more sophisticated opinions than a lot of people would about the draft. But the MLB draft is something that unless you're diving into the to the video and all those things and scouting, you have no clue. 95, 98, 99% of the fan base has no clue who the Braves should take in the, in the baseball draft. It's, this is not the NFL draft where you've seen guys play and you can make a, you know, a reasonable opinion. This is not the NBA draft where you've seen these guys on TV a bunch, all that stuff. You don't know. And, Nobody and, and knows. The, yeah, and that's just it. The sheer number of people who have seen these players outside of like team scouts. There's like 10 or 15 people who have seen all these guys play. Who are traveling around uh-huh. and who are professional scouts. Yep. Uh, that's the only way you could see these guys play on a large sample. Obviously, we got video. I mean, our guys, I mean, you, you, you especially, you, you, our team, we can watch video. We can study these guys on a higher level than most people are ever going to study them. But even then, we're not sitting there watching these guys for days on end. It's it, nobody, nobody on our staff's doing. Nobody can do that because we're not there. Nobody's. We don't. We don't have a travel budget here at Talking Chop to go see these guys in person all the time. So SB Nation, SB Nation plug. If you could please, you know, make that happen, that'd be great. Yeah, shout out to Justin, Justin Bop. I'm coming for you if you listen to this. Uh, no, uh, I'm kidding. But it's one of those things where I mean, pardon my rant, also, but um, booing any pick or praising any pick um, in the MLB draft as a fan base is kind of insane in general. Um, yep. So yeah, especially when you're talking about a number three pick, and there's, I think it's pretty clear at this point that there's no, there's no absolute number one in this class that everybody nope. agrees on. There's no Bryce Harper. There's nope. no, there's you, no Steven Strasburg. Um, and you, you, it seems like the consensus you want to draft for the depth, not for the top end talent. And if that means that Riley Pint will take less money for a guy who throws like that he does, and then you can get another guy who's a mid level first rounder later on, you should be thrilled. Yeah, we do, we we just want the Braves to get the get the most talent in the system. I, that's yep. That's the that's the moral of the story. And obviously, we'll be we'll be coming to you a ton on the draft this week. Uh, stay tuned. We're going wall to wall for the better part of three days on the draft, even as the team plays major league games. Uh, so we we are the place. Uh, at least at least locally, we are the place that you want to be for all of that coverage. Absolutely. Um, I, uh, a draft question that's not a specific one that we got in the ma- in the mailbag this week um, from at Tad Ward. Um, with the draft coming this week, he says, um, is it unusual to see any player drafted and be a directly assigned to double A? Yeah, it's very unusual. I mean, it has to be a college guy, and it has to be a college guy who's really, really good. Um, you, you don't, there's no reason to do it. If you, if you want to get a guy up fast, you can get a guy up to the show fast. Um, you, you, it's, never, it's almost never going to be that season. Uh, unless it's a reliever, I was about to say a college reliever is about the only way. Yeah, that's that, that, that's and that and that's a that's a very small sample size. Joey Devine. And <laughs> yeah, well, and the, and typically they'll still start that guy at high A anyway. You know, what I mean, they'll start him at single A or high A, and if he gets down there and he's you know you know the guys can't even touch him, then yeah, move him up to double A and then move him up quickly. Starting him off at double A is kind of asking for a disaster. Yeah, I Just think kind, it's, kind uh... of asking asking a lot of a guy. You don't have to start him off in short season ball at all. That 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 we've seen plenty of. But double A, yeah, I, I mean, there's never it, it's it rarely happens, and I don't really see the wisdom in doing it, even in the very specific circumstances. Yeah, I think uh, we got. I actually got, got this question a couple times in different versions. I think it might be some of our um, some of our fan base lives in Mississippi and might want to see a guy come up and uh, uh, suddenly be there. Um, that, that's just me speculating on that. But I saw that question a couple times and was kind of taken to, to aback my, by to, it. To, to our fans in Mississippi, you get to see Dansby Swanson play baseball. 
which is a lot of fun. And he had a good night tonight, by the way. He has so, a good night so, every night, doesn't he? I feel, I feel uh, like it, every it, night it stands to be with Dave's, It's like, oh, Dave's been with two for four again. Well, even when he goes 0 for 4, he like reached on two errors. It's like it's like he can't possibly like he's like, well, I'm just going to be on base. So that's what's happening. That's what happens. Um, anyway, uh, only a couple more here before we uh, we'll let Eric go and wrap this thing up. Um, we're gonna we'll get away from the draft a little bit. Go back to the prospects um, from at Brady Petrie. Uh, he wants to know what what the timeline is for prospects like uh, Rio 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 Ruiz. And Max Fried, uh, maybe Peterson, uh, and 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 he also adds that they seem to get lost in the prospect conversation as we talk about guys like Swanson and Albies all the time. Um. Okay. Timelines for. Okay, Ruiz is hurt, so we'll just get that out the out of the way right now. Um, Real Ruiz has some sort of issue. Garrett noticed it when he was stretching for a game, and. And this is this is one of those things that we are um, that the team's not the team's not announced this correct. Yeah, we're, we're talking it's, it's, about this. As yeah, if, yeah we, we don't, I don't. I'm not going to say like you know, hey, did she does he have an oblique injury or something like that? But Garrett noticed that the game that the last game he played in, what Garrett happened to be at, he was he was stretching for a long time on the field, um, and he hasn't played and he hasn't played since the end of May. So he had, there's something going on. He's hurt, but he's not on the DL or anything. So I I couldn't tell you what's going on. Um, if he's healthy, though, like if think, he's if he's healthy, he the first thing is he was playing pretty bad for like the first month he was great, second half, second month not so great. Yeah, that's the big takeaway. I think I think people were expecting to see him as a starting third baseman by the end of the year. Um, yeah, I mean, it could still be a September call up if he comes back, and maybe the injury was bothering him, and as a result, he can you know get it together. But uh, I I would meant, I would wager I guess he's more going to be competing for a job probably the next next season. Uh, Dustin Peterson, he'll get a call to the spring training camp next year. Um, he's a really streaky player, so I I want to see how he finishes a season as opposed to he's usually a pretty good first half player, not a great not a great second half player. So and for, I would, and for reference on Peterson, he's not had the best year this year. Um, currently, uh, as of as of today, well, before today's game. Uh, 248, 317, 396 slash line uh, with five home runs and 227 plate appearances. WRC plus of 100 of 104. So no, nothing horrible, nothing nothing earth shattering either. And he's a guy that will like have like 10 days where he's like he's just mashing. You know what I mean? But then he'll also have 10 days where he can't hit the ball at all. And you're kind of seeing the downswing right now. So he was hitting 280, 290 not that long ago. Um, so I, I don't want to speculate a timeline for him until I see him actually finish the season and finish it well. Um, Freed is going to be a while. He's still coming back from Tommy John surgery. He's playing low A right now, and he's he, when he throws well, he throws very, very well, but his, his control and command's not back yet, and you know, he has so, you know, he'll have times where he'll, like, he'll leave one up and you know, he'll get punished for it. Uh, he's still trying to figure out how to get, knock all the rust off. Uh, I wouldn't expect him next year, uh, but 2018 seems pretty fair for him. Uh, I, but I would give him all the time he needs because he's going to be on an innings limit this year for sure. Um, I, I don't don't get your hopes up that he'll be around in 2017, uh, maybe, except maybe at the earliest, you know, like a midseason sort of thing. Unless he, if, especially if he picks up the pace this year. Well, he's 20, you know, 22 year old that lost that lost oh, a full yeah. year. Yeah, it's one he, of those he, things where you can't expect too much out of that guy at, at that age and, with with and, that with that little experience at this point. And, 
And as a guy who posted a gif of Max Freed throwing a curve, which is when he when that thing when that thing curves, it's a Tukey curve. Oh, but, it is! It is filthy. Yeah, I've I've seen I've seen the same I've seen the same video. It's, it's yeah, uh, like I whenever I posted that, no one forgot about that guy because it was like mass. You know, you know, everyone was on top of that. Like, wow, that looks great. You know, so it's how do I put it? He hasn't. It's hard to say much about him right now because ultimately he's not the pitcher he's going to be because he's still rusty from not basically not pitching in two seasons. Um, so just give, give give him more time, and once he get once he knocks off all the rust and he you know gets back rounds back into form because I think he's healthy and I don't think there's going to be long term health issues with his arm. Uh, he is he's going to be a good player, and I think you'll get all of the attention that he could ever want. Uh, one more guy that I'm going to add in myself since you since you you reference his name. How about Tukey? Uh, how's Tukey looking? Um, the numbers have been pretty ugly, but again, this is a guy who's only 19, about to be 20 years old. But the numbers are not great. What are you seeing from him? Um, I am very, I'm very skeptical about Tukey because, I mean, obviously the stuff's great, but he had a couple starts where his velocity was down to 90, 91. And that's not good. Which is not going to play for him. Uh, no. No. And no, not for him at all. Um, now, that could have been him dialing it back on purpose, just trying to harness his control. Uh, in his last two starts, he's walked nine batters. That's not, uh, also, also not good. In case but you're he's, also, he's also only given up two hits. So, I'm not sure what that tells you about Tuki as a pitcher, other than the fact that well, I think he's I, very hard to hit. I think yeah, but I think he's very hard that to his hit. Stuff is, and his stuff is filthy for that level, but he can't. He doesn't know where it's going. Is that does that sound like does that sound reasonable? He has, he has he has he has no idea at all. Um, he he has had had some good starts fairly recently, and the controls kind of been coming. Like he had three starts where he had three only had one walk in each one, but he's also had three starts where he's had four plus. So you know he's he's still figuring it out. He's not he's not striking out as many guys this year either. Uh. He's pitched 43 innings, and he's only struck out 24 batters with that stuff. So I'm skeptical, but he also, he's 19 years old. So I'm pumping the brakes on any particularly strong thoughts on Tukey. I don't think he's the, like one of the top pitchers in the system, but I also think that if he figures it out, he could go from you know a middle-of-the-pack prospect to the best prospect in a hurry. Yeah, and that was before the season. I think I, I can't remember who, who asked me. I think, it might, I think it was Carlos on this podcast, uh, who, my, who my guy was in the system, and it was Tukey. So not not being terribly excited with what I've seen thus far this year, but as you mentioned, he's 19, um, and the arm the arm is filthy. He might you know you worry when the guy's velocity dips like that that he might be hurt. Um, that's at least that's what well, I yeah, do. Yeah, I think he's. I mean, like I haven't heard anything else about it, so I can't. Well, that's good. I mean, it's one of those I mean, things like, where I, he might be. He might. He, he's so young that he might just be you know for the first time sort of experiencing what you what you experience and kind of having to get through it, not being like perfect 100, not having your arm feel alive all the time. Et cetera, et cetera, maybe. I'm well, yeah, sure. or they could have been like, hey, take a tick off and see if you could throw straight. You know what I mean? And then his response to that was to throw 90 91. They're like, okay, by that we mean still throw in the mid 90s. That would be good. But, you know, don't throw 97 98 every time you're out there. Um, you just never know. I haven't heard anything else about his velocity being down. But that one start, everyone's like, it, it was very pronounced. Um, so. And, it's uh, it's wait it's wait and see on him still. Yeah, for sure. It's he's obviously still early there and very young. Uh, wrapping up the mailbag, one more question from uh, at IA Punk uh, says they moved Tyrell Jenkins to the bullpen. Are they actually going to call him up now? What do you think about Tyrell? Who's I think he's pitched twice out of the bullpen now. I I 
I hate that they moved him out of the bullpen. They moved him to the bullpen. I, 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 I went on a rant on Twitter about this, and I've asked around, and the best explanation I've got is because they moved, in, they were moving him to the bullpen specifically to get him to the show quicker. I have a tough time believing that that is particularly genuine, since the, the like the bullpen's like the the rotation at the major league level is still in flux. I mean, like. Are you really just going to like deny Tyrell Jenkins a spot in the rotation if he's good enough because of Williams Perez? Well, that's. Are you really, I mean, like, and, and Fulty just got hurt. You know what I mean? You could have. You know what I mean? If you could have moved some rotation guys around and call Tyrell up then, if if that is that generally what you think? And I just don't think that the Braves got this move right. I don't think that Tyrell is happy about it because I think he wants to be a starter. Uh, I mean, everyone wants to be a starter because that's where the money is, and there's lots of reasons for that. But ultimately. He wants to play, and he was earning that spot. You know, everyone talks about how much how many walks he had and his peripherals. All that stuff was trending to where you wanted it to be. You want his secondary stuff to be better, and it was. He was missing more bats. He was going deeper in games. Even when he would get in trouble, he would still get himself out of those situations. He was, you know, around a three ERA, and at AAA, that's what you want to see out of a guy, uh, especially a guy that's improving each start. And then to say, okay, we need you in the bullpen, and we're going to start you at Gwinnett when you have a guy like John Gant, who every time he's down in Gwinnett, he's starting. And then when he's up in the major league level, which seems like he's called up about once every 10 days at this point, you put him in the pen. Yeah, It, it, it feels disingenuous to me. I think, you, I think you think he's a bullpen guy, and I think that you didn't let him pitch himself out of that starter role. Yeah, I mean, in the interest of full disclosure, I think he's a bullpen guy. I've said that multiple times, but I still disagree with this move. Um, for all the reasons you said, I think you know this is it's been his, uh, his his best year in a while as in, in that starters role, um, and you know knocking down the walks has been has been something that's been big, and he has done that to a certain extent. Three point three walks per nine this year. The strikeouts are always the concern with me with Tyrell for a guy with his stuff and his supposed stuff. I don't understand why he can't strike anybody out, but. At the same time, you know, I'm all about, I, I say this over and over again, I'm all about giving a guy every opportunity to start. And I think he's, as you mentioned, the improvement has been real with him. So why, when you see that improvement, are you going to bring him to the bullpen and have him stop doing that? Uh, you know, you have, you have Aaron Blair, who's been bad at the major league level, who, who you're probably going to have to um, bring down to AAA and leave there for a while. You mentioned you have the faulty injury. You got guys like Williams Perez and Bud Norris, who, are, who, you, who you've given starts to recently. Yep. Why, why not just throw Tyrell in there for a little while? Um, even if it's just a swap with Blair, you know, move Tyrell into Blair and the spot that Blair's occupied send, and send Blair back down and just see how Tyrell, if you, if you hate the way he looks for three starts, then bring him back down. I mean, like, Ty, I mean, Tyrell had two starts where he ended up combining, like he went six innings and seven innings, back-to-back starts, walked three batters total in those starts, struck out 13 batters in 13 innings. The next game... He was demoted to the bullpen. I, I just don't get it. It makes no I don't, sense. I don't, I don't understand it. Uh, I, I thought he was going to – I thought it, like until a rain delay happened and like kind of it cost him an extra day in his, of rest, I thought he was going to get called up instead of Aaron Blair. Yeah, it, it, makes more, I, it makes more sense. It would make more sense to me if the Braves were competing this year and were just looking for an, an impa- a potentially impactful arm in, in the bullpen. Yep. Then you know, sure. I, I don't always love that, you, but you, I understand it when you you need talent. Yeah, you're looking at a, you're looking at a bullpen that's got some holes. 
Um, but this team's not competing. You don't win loss does not matter. So you want to be the best. You want to do the best thing for his development. And I can't imagine that as pitching in the bullpen, even if it's at the major league level. Yeah, and because I mean, it can't be a lot. And it's not. I've heard this that there's you know this was bound to happen with all the pitching talent that there's too much talent in the Gwinnett's rotation. That's a lie. There's a guy named Lucas Harrell who they just signed, who's a 30 year old journeyman who has a rotation spot that Tyrell Jenkins does not have. Well, no, it's insane. I mean, I mean, like it doesn't make any sense. Like all the explanations I've heard, the only one that I've heard that makes the most sense, and it still doesn't work for me, is that they want to transition him to the bullpen, let him get used to that role before they call him up. I'm okay. Tentative, I'm tentatively okay with that, but don't let him rot in Gwinnett doing that. Do no, not that's well, insane. because if like if a month from now he's still pitching in the bullpen in Gwinnett, you've screwed up a top ten prospect in your system. And and there's no and any amount of goodwill you might have had with that prospect is very well is very likely to be gone. And more importantly, if he had any value as a player or as a trade chip, you've torpedoed it because you just like buried him at AAA for no reason. Yeah, I'm with you all the way. Like I I, I don't love this move either way, but as you mentioned, if he's if he's in Gwinnett in the bullpen two even two weeks from now, I'm gonna I'm gonna be upset. Yep, but if, if 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 in you know five or six games, you know you see him pitch out of the bullpen a couple times, and you're like, okay, it's time. You better bring him up. I mean, he's got to be. You bet, if you're you going to do this. You, you got to bring him you, up. <laughs> yep, you have you have to bring him up. Have to. So yeah, I think we're in lockstep on that one. Um, one more thing before I let you go. Um, Ozzy Albies played second base for the second mm-hmm. straight day today in Gwinnett. Um, one thing we should note about that is that Eric Ibar is on a rehab assignment there, so. There's that caveat that Ibar is the one playing shortstop and not some random journeyman AAA guy. But it is interesting to be sure that Albies is playing second, playing second base two days in a row. What do you think about um, that? Maybe potentially grooming him to come up this year? Maybe? No? Uh, well, he's struggled a little bit at, at AAA. Uh, he's sitting around like 230 in AAA. Um, so, you know, I don't think – I think that people need to pump the brakes. I, and I've been saying this forever. Like, don't, don't, don't rush the guy just to rush the guy. Uh, I know Ibar has been bad. Um, I think the Braves might be taking this opportunity that, that while Ibar's rehabbing to be like, let's see how Albies does at second base. You know what I mean? Because it's possible that they could, you know, a guy who could rehab in Mississippi or something like that. And like, well, let's see how Dansby does at second base. I, I think that they're trying to work out a lot of this, you know, how how these guys play these positions. Um, but I don't think that like him going into second base is to be like, let's see what's going to happen now. Because honestly, like some of these, like like Chase Date. You know, Chase Day Arnaud and all these other guys, they haven't actually been that bad. So there's not like a rush to put them up, put them short. Um, I don't know. Of, it's one of those things where I, I actually totally agree with you, and I was going to bring it up if you didn't. I think it's this is nice cover for them to try Albies at second. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, you know, like, well, since, you know, Ibar's here, you know, rehabbing from, I don't know, chronic badness. <laughs> you know, he's he, like, let's try, let's try Albies out at second because, you know, I, I, I bar for better or for worse is going to be playing short at, in, in Atlanta, you know, at least somewhat, you know, in the, in the near future. Yeah. I, we talked about it last week on the podcast about whether Ibar would ever be back in Atlanta. And I was hopeful that they would, the Braves would use this, uh, this DL stint to kind of shove him out of town. But <laughs> yeah, the just, fact yeah, that he's already just put playing, him, just put, just put him on the 60 day DL. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, the fact that he's already playing in Gwinnett though is kind of a bad omen for that. I think he's going to be back sooner, sooner rather than later with the big league club, but it does give them cover. And it, cause if they, if they had just shifted Albies to second base, um, with no it gotten reason, everyone's exactly. Everybody would have said, Oh look, they're getting ready to bring it's him happening. up. Um, and you know, people have been, uh, obviously, and we appreciate it telling us. And as soon as the lineup comes out, like, look, Albies is playing second base. And yeah, that's, 
it is interesting to be sure, but at the same time, you got there's some context involved. So it's not like um, he's getting ready to come up next week to play second base for the rest of the year. I think that's going to be, and you mentioned it, Albies has cooled off considerably in, in AAA from his obscene start at AA. So it's one of those things where um, it still wouldn't surprise me if they brought Swanson up ahead of Albies. It still wouldn't surprise me if they did that. I mean, it, it's possible. Um, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not predicting. I, yeah, that, give, yeah. But, I'm about to say, give, give these guys all the time they need to, you know, figure out how to be professional ball players. Is kind of my stance on it. I'm with you all the way, Eric. Anything else you want to plug or get out there before we uh, let you go? Uh, tons and tons of draft coverage is coming uh, this week. Lots of articles coming from Brad, Garrett, probably Ivan, myself. Uh, we're gonna be writing all sorts of stuff about the draft, past, present, and future. Uh, and then once draft day comes, definitely be on Talkie Chop because there's going to be all sorts of stuff happening and we're going to be updating everyone on the goings-on and what's going on in the draft. So definitely come by the site on this week. This is going to be a really fun week. Yeah, absolutely. We've already been giving you uh, some draft content. I wrote a couple things about the best and worst picks in the history of the Braves organization that got some uh, some vitriol and some praise. So it's one of those things where we can all agree to disagree. But, um, well, yeah, a lot, as, Eric, as Eric said, lots of draft content coming. And, uh, you know, and of course, the, uh, the day-to-day coverage of the, of the big league team, because that still matters. Um, Absolutely. Please follow us uh, on Twitter at Talking Chop. Um, follow me at, at BT Roland. Follow Eric at Leprechaun, L-E-P-R-E-K-H-A-N. And uh, just stay tuned to Talking Chop. We appreciate it, guys, and we will see you next week. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.